He's a year old, he should be sleeping through the night. But I was still having all of this like anger and emotional ups and downs, um, night sweats and hot flashes for like 10 days out of the month. And I'm like, this is not normal. I'm not menopausal yet. I'm only 35. You know, I'm not breastfeeding anymore. The hormones should be back to normal. They were just not getting back to normal. Hey mama, what do you think of when you hear the word success? Fame, status, and fortune? What about rocking your baby to sleep or coaching Little League? Advocating for your special needs child or mastering meal planning? Maybe going back to school or starting your own business? The truth is success looks different for us all, and it may change depending on the season of life you're in. After finding myself in a dark place, I decided to set an example for my two boys by intentionally choosing what I wanted for my life and seeking it, even if it was scary. And now I'm so excited to bring you stories of other moms who are living out their version of success. I plan to ask these incredible women not only about their journeys, but how they are making it through the madness and the magic that we all know as motherhood. So whether your assistant just brought you a hot espresso or you're rocking your baby on a third cup of reheated coffee, settle in and get ready for some goodness. I'm Shannon Carruthers, and this is the Successful Mama Podcast. Well, hey, Mama. Welcome to this week's episode of the Successful Mama Podcast. I have a treat for you this week, as always. But, you know, every week I'm going to say, like, this is the best week ever (laughs) because I really mean it. Like, I love these interviews. I love these women who get to come on the show and share with you. And I feel so honored and privileged just to have the opportunity to sit with them and learn from them. And then just pass that along to you guys. So without further ado, I would like you to meet Miss Adrienne Garbarino. She is a nurse practitioner and she's going to tell us her story. And it's a good one. Um, Adrienne, you want to say hi and just a little bit about yourself? Hi, everybody. Well, I am so excited to be here. Shannon, you have a great podcast. Um, The minute I heard you go, hey, mama, I was like, okay, I'm going to like this. Um, So this is exciting. But yeah, I'm a family nurse practitioner. Uh, I'm a mom of one, a little three-year-old boy who keeps me on my toes. And um, just really excited to be here and chat and talk about all things motherhood. Yes. And so we're going to today's episode, we're going to get into, of course, Adrian's story and, um, you know, just kind of the path that it took to get there and motherhood and all the things we usually talk about. But we're also going to do a little bit of learning today. Because in what Adrian does is she shares things that are relevant to you. So just grab your coffee as usual, whether it is reheated or you picked it up from Starbucks or whatever <laughs> it is, um, and get ready because it's going to be a good one. So, Miss Adrienne, yes, let's start. I want to go back to just getting into college, doing the things, and um, and did you always want to be in the medical field? Let's start there. Great question. So, I actually grew up here in uh, Tony, Alabama. Actually, it was most of my school years yes. and. Decided to go off to college. Um, I went to Auburn University, War Eagle, and honestly didn't Roll know Sorry. what. <laughs> oh, man, we can still be friends. Yes, we can. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew that in school, I really loved my anatomy class, which sounds weird, but like dissecting a rat was the oh, coolest thing to me. <laughs> that was the worst. We did frogs, and I was like, that was the worst day ever. I loved my biology teacher. I can't remember her name anymore. She was very cool, though. And I just really loved learning, like, 
how things worked, uh, but I was not much of a, a math or a numbers person. Yeah. And so I went to school and I started in the um, just like, what was it, College of Science and Math, just like pre-med kind of thing. Yeah. And I was thinking about physical therapy. I was thinking about med school. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, to be honest, I did not want to go through med school and be 32 before like my school was over. I wanted to kind of start my life before then. So wasn't ready to commit to med school. Yeah, that's a big commitment. Like I often yeah. think and hear of the countless hours and just how you just basically give your life to school. Yeah. That's what you do. Even if you're married, if you have family, like school yeah. is it. And it's such a big commitment. Yeah. And when you're 18, like I just wasn't, I was like, I don't, I don't think that's for me. Right. Um, Random story. I talked to a physical therapist on an airplane one time who hated his job. So that steered me away from there, which I mean, that was kind of as an 18 year old, like that's, that's a good way to make a decision. Right. Absolutely. Some um, random guy on an airplane. But then I was friends with a girl who was in nursing school a couple years ahead of me. And she was like, I was like, oh, well, she's really smart. And she studies a lot. So like, this is a good career. And you still get to learn how the body works. Um, but there's also that very like human aspect, humanistic interaction. I've always been kind of like a leader and a helper and a teacher just by my personality. So nursing seemed like a good fit. So I went with it. Yes, away you went <laughs> to nursing school. And um, at, so we talked a little bit beforehand. And there's a, a fun fact about nursing school that you said you might share yes. with everybody. Yeah, I did not get into nursing school the first time I applied. Um, and I was little Miss Smarty Pants in high school, like, easy A's, all the honors. So it was a huge blow to my ego when I didn't get into nursing school. And I really just underestimated how competitive it was at Auburn. At the time, there were like, I think they accepted 80 or 100 students a year into the nursing program at a college of 25,000 kids. Like, you had to be at the top of your game. Right. And I spent a little too much time sleeping in and skipping classes my freshman <laughs> and sophomore year <laughs> while I was doing my nursing, pre-nursing classes. And so, yeah, I didn't get in. So then I was like, what am I going to do? I was so dramatic, y'all. I had a nursing t-shirt that I wore, like Auburn nursing. I burned it in the fire pit behind my oh, townhouse. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, good riddance, nursing. Bye. This is not it. But then I got myself together and I made a plan B. And um, I decided I was going to work on my GPA and apply to more schools the next year. Because I was just like, of course, I'm going to go to Auburn. Oh, so was that the only um, place you applied to? Yeah. Because oh, okay. I was just full of myself. Right. I'm stupid. Well, I mean, I, I think we all are at that age. Like, really, if I look back at that time in my life, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Y'all, if you knew me then and you don't know me now, I am so sorry. Like, I, I hope you can judge me from, you know, some other things than back then. The way we've grown. Goodness we've gracious. Grown. Yes. So, okay. So round two. So then I... Uh, took some business classes and they bored me to tears. I minored in Spanish. Went to Spain <gasps> for a month. Oh. That was really fun. ¿Cómo estás? Yeah. yeah. Bien. Oh, Bien. I, I have a um, degree in foreign language and international trade, which is oh, in wow. Spanish and business. So Very cool. Yeah. Although I will say, if you don't use it, you lose it yeah. indeed because... I'm not I, at all. I will say, I remember the day. It was the coolest thing. This is a really random side story, but... um. I remember the day when I woke up and I had a dream in Spanish <gasps> and I thought, 
Like, this is it. Like, I'm fluent. Because Your brain I has awoken in Spanish. Yeah. Yeah, I, that hasn't happened to me in a long time. <laughs> now, I can ask if you need to go to the bathroom. Like, I can ask for directions to the bathroom, yeah. that sort yeah. of thing. But a little more. But anyway, yeah. so continue. You did so minor in Spanish. I got into nursing school the next year that I applied. I had also applied to, I think, South Alabama, UAH. So I had some backup plans. Um, not that they're any easier to get into, to be honest. It's very competitive. Yeah. But um, yeah, so then I finished nursing school. Um, pretty quickly after that, I started working in labor and delivery, which yes. I loved helping mamas have babies. But the hospital environment was a little too crazy for me. So I knew I wanted to go back to get my master's degree so I could become a family nurse practitioner and work in like medical office settings to kind of do more of that preventative care and holistic prevention not not just hospital work so right gotcha how i'm here awesome and so um so then from there you know have you stuck with the same kind of jobs throughout or no okay so it's not been like the straight narrow like no i you know i realize and i don't know if this is a flaw or a strength but i i get restless very easy and i find that i'm always looking for the next thing that's going to be better. And so as I get older, I'm trying to start to kind of sit with that and be like, okay, what what is that? But um, yeah, so I did a lot of job hopping, just looking for the best environment. And in my defense, a lot of the jobs that I worked at were terrible cultures, just very negative, work, 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 no work-life balance. Everybody hated their jobs and was just, you know, whiny all the time. And like, that was not good environments. I worked for some not so nice bosses who really didn't respect me as a person or, you know, my skills. And so I kind of was going from job to job. Now, along the way, I've learned all kinds of different things, which has been great. I have experience in all kinds of different specialties that I can now apply to what I'm doing today. Mm -hmm. Um, So that has been nice. But um, yeah, hopping job to job, just looking for that environment where I could really use the skills that I had to feel like I was really helping people. Yeah. It's been hard to find. Yeah, I think I can definitely relate to that. Not, I mean, I ended up staying home with my boys for such a long time, but not knowing exactly where I wanted to end up. And like I would go through different ideas. Well, maybe I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Maybe I want to do that. So, mm-hmm. but I think that that's really relatable too to people. I mean, so many moms that I talk to, you know, they say, okay, it's not like I just knew this is the thing I wanted to do. And I just ended up doing it right away. Like you have to try this for a while and say, okay, I liked this. I didn't like this about it. What can I do next that fits yeah. those boxes and checks the things that are important to me? Mm-hmm. So, um, which we're going to talk in a few minutes about where that led you to eventually. But um, before we do, uh, you you ended up switching paths a little bit, right? And around 2020. Yeah, yeah. What, what happened there? I um, So I was working in a busy urgent care and like workers comp clinic in midtown Atlanta, like very busy and um, was married to my husband. And we knew we were wanted to have kids and we're a little bit older so we knew it was like time to get on it um and I was sitting here going I don't get home till 6 30 every night like how am I going to work and have a baby I will never see my kid um and I was like this is just not gonna work for me as a mom and at that point like I'd done my career long enough I really wanted to be a mom and that was really important for me and I you know knew that time 
goes by so fast. And I wanted to be present and, and have that time. So I ended up having the opportunity to move into public health consulting or contracting, um, which is interesting, you know, around here in, in Huntsville, everybody knows about government contracting. It's the same thing, except I'm working with um, the CDC and NIH instead of with building missiles. Interesting. Um, and so there's still a lot of that, like, project management, running teams. It's a desk job. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try something new. So still had that health part of it, but very different from running around in a clinic seeing a million patients a day. And and did that give you your stable like time frame of I can work this hour to this hour and then I know I'll be able to be home with <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm laughing, sort of. Okay. Not as glamorous as I thought. <laughs> you think, oh, working from home. I'll be able to do laundry and cook all day. Not um I was very busy and it was almost like it was almost more work. It was a little bit better though because I did have the flexibility. So I could shut my computer down at 330 go pick up Noah from daycare, spend some time with him. But then I found myself after bedtime going back to work to finish things uh-huh. up from, from the day. So I'm like, still, I'm not finding this this magical unicorn of the perfect job. <laughs> I think exists it's somewhere. It's so hard. And like, especially at the working from home, defining that boundary mm. between home and work, because it's so easy like you said, to to put it away for a little bit, but then you know it's there. So yeah. once the kids are in bed, then you can go back to it. Or the one that's hard, and I'm guilty of this occasionally, of, of like, okay, just a minute, like, I'm going to do this email real quick, and then I'll just go back to it. But then, oh, I got something else that came in. I need to go do that real quick. Mm-hmm. Like hopping back and forth rather than setting those hard boundaries. And it can be really difficult when you don't have a space where you're like leaving it there. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, what I found, though, was having Noah, my son, was the, is the only time in my life that I've been able to make myself a hard boundary because, like, he is just so important to me. And I would never make those boundaries for myself. But now, like, 4 o'clock, is, f- between 4 and 8 is my time with Noah. And so, like, I don't you know, I'm not saying I never do anything before. Right, right. There's things that come up in of the course. evenings. My husband is a wonderful dad. I can do bedtime all by himself. But, you know, most of the time I'm shutting that computer and I'm protecting that time because yes. I, I want to have that. That's why I have a kid. You know? Yes, <laughs> I love that. And and I mean, that's why you wanted to do to shift so that you could have that specific dedicated time. And I think that it's so important that we set those boundaries and that we guard our mental health and make sure we're prioritizing that because it's really easy to let it bleed into our day-to-day lives, especially as an entrepreneur, as Mm -hmm. you know, so many of our listeners are entrepreneurs and have their own business. And like, you know, you wear so many hats. There's so many things you're trying to do and having to learn and having to make sure that you're, you're juggling while also, by the way, running the business, the thing you want to do with your business. And so it's easy to let that bleed in and not prioritize self-care, not to mention we're talking about businesses, but hello, stay at home moms, like prioritizing, taking care of yourself is a whole task. Like we need to do a whole episode on that alone. Because it's so hard to, to feel like it's important enough to push other things aside. Exactly. I mean, you and I were talking earlier about like, I'm a hot mess and can't keep my calendar together. And like, if I would just stop 
and organize my calendar, it would probably be better. But for some reason, I just feel this constant pressure of like, go to the next thing, go to the next thing, go to the next thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I struggle in the same ways. We were, we were also talking about the fact that, you know, I'm a habit and success coach, but I also still struggle with a lot of my habits. Like I, the reason I do this business is because it's what I needed. And so learning through my own things and my own struggles then allows me to teach some of that to other people. But I still struggle with so much of that stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. day to day basis. And so I know I I do want to let's talk a little bit about um, Noah and Patrick. They got mentioned, you know, in passing. But let's just let's jump back to that a little bit. Tell me about getting married, about baby boy coming and what that experience was like. I'm smiling already. Um, So Patrick and I met through mutual friends who and they met on Tinder. So we're like a Tinder peripheral success story. Um, (laughs) And it's been really fun because his best friend and one of my best friends. And so we're all friends together. It's not my friends, his friends, you know, Um, I'm terrible with timelines. I think we met like seven years ago in Atlanta. Um, We had both come out of long term relationships. Um, Neither of us had had children yet. And just the timing was right. And, you know, it just it just worked. And we were both kind of ready to move forward with with something serious. So we kind of committed from the beginning and not a whole lot of drama like some of my past relationships. There wasn't that, oh, I love you, I don't know. Like we just, <laughs> just got together and it worked and we yes. both had the same like core values. Um, it was both really important for both of us to to raise our child in a church environment, which is something that I hadn't found in a lot of other guys that I had dated um, in Atlanta. Um, but also, you know, within church, you can have like lots of different opinions and, and oh, for sure. desires. And we were just really on the same page with that and family values. And um, so that just kind of worked. Yeah, that's um, great. So we got married four years ago in a beautiful place up in North Georgia, Hiawassee, where his parents live now. And then, I don't know, here, year and a half later, we had Noah. Um, so I was 35 when I had Noah. He was 40. Two, 42. Again, sorry, I'm bad with numbers. Um, so a little bit older parents, but we had kind of lived our life and gotten all of that other business out of the way and we're ready to kind of commit to being parents. And it's good that we have that commitment because it's not been really easy. It's been a hard postpartum period. Noah is a challenging little boy with lots of stubbornness like his mommy and daddy. Um, and that can be hard on a relationship and a marriage. And, you know, we've become kind of, you know, work partners of trying to figure out how to make the household work. We're both working full time. Um, And this has been hard. But I I think the thing about us is that we are both committed to like sticking it out and figuring it out. And we know that like, we're gonna come out on the other side. (laughs) I think that is so important. And like, the difference in a relationship and how how you see a couple interacting and like their decision of how do I want to say this? Like, I guess just their commitment, looking at their commitment and saying, yes, I'm sticking through that. Like, we're going to figure it out. I know this is really hard. This, you know, this season, this time, this struggle, whatever specifically, but like, we're going to make it work. And Mm -hmm. the difference in the way that they make it through that. I don't know. It's, it's, um, it's pretty apparent, I think, a lot of the times when when you see couples like yeah. that. I think it, you know, when we're younger, or before we find our partners, we're thinking that 
marriage in some certain way and you know the romance and the sparks and the lovey-dovey and at some point you know it hits that like okay it's not always like this and so then what do you do with those harder times what do you do with those bad times and right now we're in a season of like we are parents we are a family and we're gonna deal with it and do we yell at each other sometimes yes um but we're gonna we're gonna work through it we're gonna come through it and We're gonna figure it out. Yeah, that's yeah. that's great. And um, and so then tell me about this sweet boy. He, I'm sure he's an angel. He never does anything oh, wrong. Oh, he's an angel baby, <laughs> three and a half year old, like all of them. Um, yeah, no, Noah is wonderful. He is an adventurous child. I saw that word one time and I was like, that's a great word for him. He's not scared of anything. He eats anything you give him. Um, he is like his happiest self when he is in a brand new environment experiencing something new and different that's awesome um so those are his strengths and the um challenges as a parent (laughs) is that he is so stubborn he has tons of energy um you know it's like the the typical toddler of the answer to everything is no is your favorite word no no yes (laughs) but like all the time. Okay. Um, and and we've had some struggles for the past couple of years with his behavior at school, which has been really tough because he's my angel baby and I know how to deal with him. And, you know, I love him and he's my child. So, of course, I'll do whatever he needs. But you kids have to get along in a society. Right. And so right now we're kind of struggling with that. Like, how do you not go to school and push kids off the slide and hit people all the time? Yeah. So, yeah, those are things you got to work through. And yeah. sometimes it's harder than others, like just the different challenges. And so you'll get there. Yeah. I know. T- today I promised him ice cream with gummy worms and sprinkles if he didn't hit anybody. I mean, you know, <laughs> it sounds, I wouldn't hit anybody. If it was me and you offered that to me, I wouldn't hit anybody Come that on, day. Bro. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. So I do want to, um, you know, you talked about postpartum was a little bit difficult with with Noah. Can you go into that a little bit more and and just touch on that? Definitely. I think, you know, again, with the expectations versus the reality. um, And I had this false sense of security because I was a labor and delivery nurse for a couple of years. And I had helped women deliver hundreds of babies. And I've seen every which way that can go. Vaginal birth, C-section, pushing for 12 hours, baby pops out on your way into the room, like every million scenario. And I'm like, I got this. I got this. So um, I had actually planned to have a water birth, which is kind of interesting. I worked with some midwives um, in a hospital in Atlanta and just saw the most beautiful, peaceful, natural water births in the hospital, which was a cool offering. Um, so you kind of had that safety net, but also just a different experience right. than the like lights on, people yelling at you to push. Yep. So it could be very different. So that's what I was going for. Well, Noah surprised me. Uh, we were just hanging out in the nursery one day and my water broke and all of my nursing knowledge. I was like, oh, I'm going to take a shower and eat some plenty dinner, of plenty of time. We're going to just make our way into the hospital. I hope I don't have to get induced with Pitocin tomorrow. Oh, no, no. Patrick went out to carry our bags to the car, came back in, and I was like, Stop. <laughs> like the contractions and hit so hard and so fast. Oh, my goodness. And you don't expect that with the first. No. Like, I'm thinking I'm going to have an 18-hour labor yeah, here. You're ready. Because that's what I did. I, I went, especially my second. 
Yeah. My second, you know, my water broke with my first. We were, of course, we had to hurry and get to the hospital. But the second one, I woke up my husband. I was like, hey, we got to go. He took a shower. No, no, no. I'm mixing up stories. The first one, <laughs> first one was the middle of the night. Um, the second one was middle of the day, but I was putting my son down for a nap. Mm-hmm. Water broke. I was like, oh, we got plenty of time. We we hung out at home for a while. We went and got food because, hello, they don't feed you. Once right. you get there, you cannot eat. And so we stopped and got food, which mm-hmm. was great. Took our time. But yeah, I can. It sounds like you had quite a different experience. Surpri- I love birth stories, by yes, the way. Me too. But actually, we're being all cheery here. But some it was actually a very traumatic experience. Oh, I'm sure. And it took me a little while to where I could tell my story and not feel upset. Now I don't have those feelings anymore. But I just want to validate that to, to mamas. Yeah. Like, what is birth it? can be very traumatic. And can I ask, is it because it wasn't your plan? Or I think so. Um, part of it, there's a little more. So we rush into the hospital and I have this, Patrick told me this story and I'm just laughing this image in my mind. I had like a big old birthing ball I was planning on taking, Mm -hmm. you know, I had like the music and the essential oils and like we were going to do. So like he ends up having to drop me off. They wheel me up to labor and delivery while he goes to park the car. And then he's coming in with all these bags of stuff that absolutely never needed. And he's kicking the birthing ball down the hallway because he doesn't have hands to carry it. He got there in time, though. Um, I was fully dilated when we showed up to the hospital, immediately started pushing. There was no water birth. I even forgot about it. I mean, you're just... You have priorities. Like the primal instinct just takes over. Um, so it just happened so fast, and it was not this this peaceful and calm experience that I thought I had prepared to have. Right. And then I um, hemorrhaged pretty bad. I started losing a lot of blood, so they had to rush in and poke me and prod me and start the medicines and get the bleeding under control. And then I was really cold and shaking, and it, it was just all very not nice and calm and yeah. beautiful like I had imagined With essential it would be. oils. Yes. And, yeah. yeah, there was none of that. So, you know, I think that just – was that was just hard and I did not enjoy being pregnant I know some women like that but like his foot was mm-hmm. in my ribs for like three months I was very uncomfortable no. so the whole thing was not this like beautiful thing right like I thought it was gonna be yeah yeah hard pass on that one Pre- being pregnant <laughs> not not a big fan of that the yeah. first one it was exciting mm-hmm. but then once that wore off I was like all right you know this is this is great but yeah. I like not being pregnant. The second one, I was like, get this baby out. Like, I'm done. The Just... worst heartburn. Oh, I don't know about you, yeah. but oh, yeah. the whole time. Couldn't eat anything without feeling awful. Man, for sure. Oh, good times. Oh, yes. So. <laughs> I mean, if you're, if <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking of the moms or like the moms to be, I know. Okay. So my sister, shout out to Olivia. She is, she is always listening. She has no babies. She is a labor and delivery nurse. Oh, so hey, I'm like Olivia. thinking, yes, I'm like thinking of her through all of this. Mm-hmm. It, birth is great kids are (laughs) kids are amazing um anyway so yeah it's not always exactly as we plan but it's worth it to get through it to the other side right yeah i wouldn't change it yes um okay so go through that tell me more a little little more about your story there yeah after he gets here so had noah february 5th 2020 Mm. the world shut down a month later yep um, I didn't even have my six-week postpartum appointment. They called me and were like, are you okay? Because we're not seeing people in person. So that that was all the care that I got, which wow. I can do a whole podcast on the state of 
lack of yes. postpartum care in our country right now. Yes. And there's no support for women as we go through this huge change. Um, but I digress. So I am postpartum. I'm thinking I'm going to go back to work in eight weeks from home, uh, which I had permission to go back from home anyways, but then the pandemic hit. Now everybody was home, but I did have a job I could work at home. So that was great. Um, And it was just hard. Noah had colic and reflux. He had a lip tie and a tongue tie. I was bound and determined to breastfeed because that's what all my medical knowledge says I have to do to be a good mom. Um, And he was not breastfeeding well. Um, We did one in-person lactation consultant, and then we did a Zoom one because we're in the little postpartum. Meanwhile, like, I can't see any of my friends. It was breaking the rules just for my mom and my sister to come visit me. Um, in Atlanta at the time, you weren't even supposed to drive between counties. Like, technically, you could get in trouble for leaving the county. It was, like, wow. locked down. And, um, you know, couldn't take my kid to push around the buggy at Target. It was very isolating. And I didn't really recognize that part of it until afterwards of going like, my experience was a lot more isolating than other new moms were having, you know, we weren't able to take the kid and have a dinner party. And, you know, not even the like meal train. So that was really tough, I think. And then I am just very sensitive to not sleeping well. And I figured that out my sister can just like power through it. If she, you know, has three nights of bad sleep and then gets another one, she's good to go. But, like, I am very affected emotionally by not sleeping. And so just constantly being up, we had to hold him upright all the time because of his reflux. So I felt like there was never a moment to myself. Mm -hmm. It was really tough. And over the next few months, like, I kind of spiraled emotionally. And what, you know, people talk about postpartum depression and anxiety. What I have learned since then is there is a very real thing called postpartum rage. And that's what I have. And I bet there's some mamas who are listening who yeah. will relate to that. So it was just like so angry so easily, like at the drop of a hat, getting so mad, screaming. And my poor husband took the brunt of it. Um, and I was just like done. I didn't, you know, we didn't know what to do. So through that, we decided to move back to Huntsville so I could be closer to my family. Okay. Because I was like, I just can't, can't be alone in this. Um, we need more help. Um, I did, I tried to go back to work at eight weeks and that was just not happening. He was not the kind of baby that I could have in a rocker next to me while I got anything done. He had to be held. Yeah. Um, so I went back part time for several more months before I finally went back full time. In the meantime, we had moved to Huntsville. We got on a waiting list for a daycare because there's always a waiting list in Huntsville for daycare. Um, And I hear it's worse now. Yeah. And and through all that, like, okay, let's fast forward a year later, not breastfeeding anymore. You know, he's a year old, he should be sleeping through the night, not. Um, But I was still having all of this like anger and emotional ups and downs, um, night sweats and hot flashes for like 10 days out of the month. And I'm mm-hmm. like, this is not normal. I'm not menopausal yet. I'm only 35, 36 at the time. And, you know, I'm not breastfeeding anymore. The hormones should be back to normal. They were just not getting back to normal. So I go to the doctor, OBGYN, and um, they offered birth control pills I knew that wasn't going to work for me because Mm -hmm. I had had symptoms on birth control pills before having Noah, but I was like, I'll try it. Uh, You know, I'll try anything at this point. I started taking some antidepressants. They make me feel worse. 
So I was just like, I don't know what's going on. It was just really tough because I felt like I didn't know how to take care of me and I didn't know who could. So I'll pause there. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I can say that that is very relatable. I have heard, you know, from my own personal experience, which I can touch on that, but I've heard so many moms talk about similar things and then going to their OBGYN. And of course, the one, you know, fix is birth control because that fixes your hormones. Mm -hmm. Um, When my personal story is I've gone several times to have that discussion and get there. And of course, birth control. Birth control makes me a crazy person. It can. I mean, I never found the right birth control and it just makes me crazy. My poor husband also, Mm -hmm. yeah, got the brunt of that. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Um, I love you, honey. Uh, (laughs) But um, yeah, so then it's like, well, what do you do? And, And I have terrible migraines that come every month with my cycle and all that. So there's there's just a lot there. And when I would ask about it, I'd be like, okay, can we check you know, can we do mm-hmm. blood work? Can we check? Well, we don't really get any results from that. There's not really consistency that we can get from mm-hmm. doing this. And you're probably just better off to take birth control. Mm-hmm. And that's where it was left. Yeah. So enter in. Yeah. This is a perfect segue. Why don't you <laughs> just tell everyone a little more about what you decided okay. to do about this? Yeah. So I, um, at one point, had been working for a chiropractor and, you know, they're a little more crunchy. And through them had started learning about the world of functional medicine. And this is sort of an approach that many different health professionals can take to providing care. So you'll see nutritionists and chiropractors and even health coaches and doctors and nurse practitioners who all use functional medicine in in their specific practices. Um, and it's really more of like understanding what's going on with the body, looking more for the root cause, trying to fix your symptoms by actually correcting whatever's going on rather than covering it up. And this is a perfect example of birth control. Birth control is a synthetic version of your hormones that mimic your hormones and kind of force your body into a regular period, but they don't act the same as your actual hormones do. And your hormones have positive effects on your eyes, your hair, your skin, your uterus, your breast, your muscles, your bones. Every cell in our body has receptors for hormones. So when you're taking birth control, you're actually making your body stop making its own hormones and giving it this fake stuff that forces a period and a regular schedule, but it doesn't actually do all the other good stuff that you need hormones for. Oh, we didn't even talk about your brain, your mood, your memory, all of that. So I'm learning all of these things through this functional medicine approach, and I'm going, there is a better way. There is more that we can offer for women to help feel better when they start to have hormonal issues. So kind of that experience of me being a patient and not finding a solution that made any sense to me going to the conventional doctors. And then also my experience as a healthcare professional who was just so burnt out of being in these work environments that were rush, 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 see a patient for 10 minutes, get them out the door, move on to the next one. I miss taking care of people. My, you know, consulting job was nice. It was wonderful at the time to not have to be in a clinic in the middle of COVID with a newborn. Um, But I wasn't, I was not feeling fulfilled in helping people. That is really just always been kind of my calling. Like, that's what I love to do. I love when somebody goes, oh my gosh, I'm feeling so much better because I helped them do Mm -hmm. that. It's what fuels me. So I was like, I've got to do this 
I've got to do this thing. So I decided to start a telemedicine practice that helps women that focuses on thyroid and hormones from this kind of more natural or holistic approach to kind of get get back to being as natural as we can in our bodies to make things work the way they're supposed to. I love that. And I think it is one of the things that I, which Adrian and I are friends, we've, um, <laughs> we didn't really talk about that at the beginning, but um, we're friends and we've, you know, helped each other and supported each other in our businesses. And, and I'm very grateful for that. I'm just going to throw that out there. We're going through this entrepreneurial journey together. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, um, but one of the things that I love about your business model is that you can, like, your patients can contact you while they're in car line. Yes. Like you can have an appointment at home with your coffee, rocking your baby. Yes. And you don't have to get them dressed and like bring them to the doctor no. or you don't have to you find don't a have sitter. To get dressed. You can, yeah, you can stay in your jammies. Like yes. there's so many benefits for moms, especially because, you know, I'm thinking of all the listeners. Moms are, we have no time. Yeah. We don't take care of ourselves the way that we should. And this is a way that you can serve them and give them the things Absolutely. that they need. And that the key here that I love that you focus on is the underlying issue. Because that's, I mean, I, if I go to my migraines, mm-hmm. especially, yeah. that's that's a big one for me because I know it's my hormones. I know that it's related to all of that. But like I would go to my previous neurologist and he would be like, well, you can try this medicine or this medicine or this medicine yeah. or this medicine. And I'm like, OK, I get that. I don't want to do medicine. I want to know why am I having these migraines? Mm-hmm. What are the things that I can do to try to fix this without medicine? And I tried for years and years. And that again, that's a whole nother podcast we could get into. But, yeah, migraines are something else. Oh, my goodness. But but just knowing that your focus is on helping figure out what's the root cause. Yeah. And that you focus on women. Right. Yeah. And so and the hormonal disruptions and irregularities that that we all have. And I mean, Hormones are chemical messengers. And like I said, they affect everything in our body. So you you really can't talk about health without talking about hormones. Yes. So good. So good. So, um, so Adrian, why don't you tell everybody, we'll just kind of jump into this place because we're here already is just tell everybody where they can find you. Cause I know a lot of moms listening are probably like, Oh my goodness, this is me. She's telling me (laughs) like, I need this right now. So tell them where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Cove, the number four women. And then my website is covetelehealthforwomen.com. Um, I try to make it really easy if it is 1030 at night and you're scrolling your Instagram and you're like, oh, yeah, I need to make that appointment. You can go right on there and make it right then and there. You don't have to wait and call me during business hours. Super cool. Um, but convenient. also, if you're just like not really sure, you want to check me out a little bit, just shoot me a message um, on Instagram on my website. And you know, we can chat for a minute and see if we're a good fit. That's fine, too. And I promise you'll love her because she's wonderful. <laughs> um, and so and also, as always, I will link those on the website at successfulmamapodcast.com. So you can check those out there if you forget. Um, is there any advice that you have for moms who are struggling with this that are, they're like, well, what do I, you know, other than the obvious answer of, you know, they need to come see you, yeah. but, but what, what's the first step or the first thing they need to look into or consider or what, any advice on that? Great question. First, I would say, um, you're not crazy. I feel like we need to hear this. Yes. If you're not feeling well, it's, you're not making it up. Your mind is your body. They all work together. And so don't just say, oh, well, this is me. You don't have to live like this. You can you can 
live more comfortably. You can live optimally. So just know that. Keep hope. Second, the most important thing that you can do to support your hormones, especially if you're in this postpartum period or maybe, you know, late 30s, early 40s, is focus on sleep and stress. And those are things that really only you can do. I can't do that for you. Um, And it's hard to sleep when you've got kids waking you up. I get it. But stop and think about, can I go to bed a little bit earlier so that I can get some good quality sleep? Can I take a nap? Can I work in shifts with my partner? Can I get the parents to watch them for a night so that I can have a full night of uninterrupted sleep? You'll be amazed at what wonders that will do for you. And then start to work a daily habit, which Shannon can help you with, uh-huh. of some kind of mind-body connection or mindfulness. And this is not a woo-woo hippie thing. Like our brains and our bodies have to be connected. Yes. And so having a breathing practice, if you're not sure how to do it, you can just Google like YouTube or Spotify of like a guided meditation. Um, you know, if you can get out and go to a cool yoga class where they do some of this more breathing and meditation, that can be really helpful for your hormones too. For sure. And you know, another interesting one is, I don't know if you're familiar with tapping. Yes. It's so intriguing to me. I don't know how to do it myself, but I know that it is effective in helping with that kind of. It's crazy. So if you're not familiar with tapping, um, I heard about it for the first time in a study that they had done. They were teaching at a school. They were teaching kids how to utilize this tapping method. And essentially there are these, um, these points on your body that you can tap like physically just take your finger and tap 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 on over and over when you're feeling anxious when you're feeling a certain way and it kind of helps bring you back to Mm. your body and I can say that I have done this in moments when I have felt completely overwhelmed and it absolutely works for me I love that because you can do it anywhere at any time and it doesn't have to be super obvious because Mm -hmm. like I can sit I think one of the spots is on your hand Mm -hmm. um, and you can literally sit here and tap and nobody's gonna know Mm -hmm. but like I know for me the the best one is probably on my chest Mm -hmm. Um, there's a spot there anyway worth looking into but that fits into all of that and and the other takeaway that I had um, with what you were saying number one let me just say that is amazing advice that you gave. All of those things are very relevant and very needed for no matter where you are in your journey, but especially like you said, in postpartum. And the big thing for me though, was like, I heard you say, get some sleep, go to bed a little earlier. Mama, I know, I know, I know how hard (laughs) it is because you put the kids to bed at night and you finally have five minutes to yourself. And we need that sometimes. Like sometimes it is good to have that plan time where you're going to stay up late. You're going to make up for it the next day. It's going to be terrible and you're going to drink a lot of coffee and that's okay, (laughs) but not on a regular basis. Like you need to set aside. And one of the best ways that, that I have found to do this is to put my phone in another room. That's great. I sleep with my phone in my bathroom when I'm struggling with it. I don't always, I'm not struggling with this right now. So it stays next to my bed just Mm because it's easy. I'm not trying to like say I do something all the time. I don't. But when I'm struggling with this, I always make sure that I'm charging my phone in the other room Mm -hmm. because it takes away that temptation to sit and scroll and scroll and scroll and then realize it's three in the morning and I need to be in bed. Yeah. Um, But also the other thing is to ask for help. 
Oh, yes. Ask for help. I probably forgot that one because I'm not that good at that one. (laughs) Uh, No, but but you talked about like, how can you how can you take, you know, different shifts with your partner? How can you ask your mom about helping keep the kids so that you can take a nap? Like Mm -hmm. all of those things. It may not be your mom. It may not be your your partner. It may be a neighbor or a friend or, you know, something like that. Get creative, but ask for help. And I promise it gets easier the more you do it. Yeah, so absolutely. And I had a postpartum patient the other day and we're working on her hormones and such. And she's got a good little routine when her husband's in town, but then he goes out of town and it's so, so hard for her. And I was like, can you find a trusted babysitter to come over in the mornings from six to 10? That's like the chaotic time in the mornings. Your kids are running around. You've got all this stuff. Like you don't have any family in town. Let's just think outside of the box. If you have the means, you know, there's a, a high schooler home from college. I mean, I'm a high schooler off for the summer. Yes. Um, you know, just think outside of the box and it's okay. Like she was like, I just feel like I'm not a good mom if I have to like farm out my kids. And I was like, let's reframe that. Oh. You have to have a two hour break so that you can be the best mom. Right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, Oh, we again, we could just we could just talk on this forever because there's so much here that we need to hear that we need to remind ourselves of. Um, You don't have to do it all. No, just because you don't do every single thing for your kid does not mean you're not a good mom. And and it is so hard to not compare yourself to someone else who has different support than you, mm-hmm. who has different strengths, different weaknesses, different, a totally different life. And different yet, kids? Different kids. Oh, that's a whole nother one. <laughs> but like stopping to say, okay, these are the things that I'm struggling with and it's okay for me to ask for help. I do not have to do everything and martyr myself in order to be a good mom for my kids. You literally can't do everything no, yourself. Period. Okay. Love it. We could, again, we could just go there forever. Um, So we have talked about your business. We've talked about where everyone can find you. And obviously they're going to want to. Um, Can you tell us, Adrian, with all that you've been through with your new business and all the things going on in life, what, what does success mean to you in this season? What does success mean to you as a whole? You can kind of just take what you will and and go with it wherever you want to. I was thinking about this because I know you ask. I know you ask your guests, and I think I'm still figuring it out, right? Ooh, I love like, that answer. I don't know, but I think success to me feels like um, choice. I, don't, I, I was thinking control, but that's a word that I don't necessarily want to lean into at this. I'm trying to give up some of that yeah, right now. Yeah. Um, but I think it's the choice to spend your energy on the things that are important to you. And so that's what I'm striving for as a mom and as a business owner is to create a life where I have the choice to give of myself where I want to. So good. I love it. I love it. Okay. (laughs) With that, I want to ask you the fun questions that I always ask my guests. Okay. First and foremost, what is your coffee order? I enjoy a grande oat milk latte with two pumps. Of whatever syrup sounds fun. Mm, I like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm a coconut milk 
myself mm. coconut milk girl but um I, i'll do an occasional oat milk if they don't have coconut but it's definitely yeah. second choice i like the oat milk yeah i do the two pumps of sugar instead of four makes me feel a little bit better about oh, myself okay. yes i do that too like half sweet that's yeah. what i always tell them sugar's inflammatory so you know uh, yeah do as i say not as i do <laughs> um yeah that's my favorite awesome all right next question is how clean does your house stay on a scale of <laughs> one to ten <laughs> which one's clean um 10 is clean. 10 is clean? Yes. Girl, we're at like a three. <laughs> <laughs> it is a struggle. It's it's My thing is um, I don't like things to be like gross, dirty, but yep. it is always a mess. Yeah, that's so. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, so, so last week's episode, um, when this airs, it'll be uh, my friend Lindsay. And she and I talked and she, her house is always so clean when I go over. And I, again, I have to go back to that comparison, Mm -hmm. reminding myself that she is a stay at home mom. This is what she, her focus is. Mm -hmm. This is what she, she of course needs it to be clean. And we talked all about that, but like me giving myself space to go, okay, I can't compare my house and my life to her, especially at this season where I have mm-hmm. started a business and things are chaotic and the boys are little and all the things. And so just reminding myself, like, it's okay that it's not perfect. Yeah. And also it's okay to ask for help. You yeah. know, I'm thinking um, of a friend and I I said, how do you do all the things? And she's like, oh, I, I have someone come and clean my house. Outsource. Outsource. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to do it all. I feel like that's very yeah. relevant. Again, there's that choice of what do you want to put your energy exactly. towards. And for some people, keeping everything organized is what brings them joy and what they yes. want to put their energy towards. Right now, in this season of life, that's not where you want your energy to right. go. Exactly. And that's okay. Exactly. You don't need to feel shame about that. No, for sure. Love that. Okay. Number three, what is a book or show you have recently loved? I haven't watched TV in so long, y'all. I go to bed every night and I work on my business again. Um, the book. But you're a book club girl. Like you I do. I read every night before bed. That's that's my routine. I put my phone down, I take my supplements, uh, and I sit in bed with one of those Kindle lights. Mm-hmm. Just a little tip here, get rid of that blue light before bed and it helps your melatonin kick in so you can go to sleep. So I read for probably about 20 minutes before I fall asleep every night. Um, right now I'm reading interesting one about, um, we're going to get a little nerdy here, Lafayette, the the French man, I don't know what his title was, who was a key player in the American Revolution. Oh. The book is cool because it's about the castle of Lafayette and four generations of women who have lived there during different times in the world. So Mm -hmm. one is there during World War II. Back, uh, the first one is Lafayette's wife, and there's some people in between. And so you kind of get different perspectives of women over hundreds of years who have all lived in the same castle. That's cool. That's neat. I like it. I'll have to tell you the name of the book because I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. All right. Question number four is what is the most random item in your purse? What is in my purse? I don't even know what's in my purse. Um, I don't know. I'd have to go look. Can I go look? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm watching as Adrienne walks across the what's room. Here? What's in here? Let's see. What is in her purse? I don't know if it's random, but a yellow crayon. A yellow crayon is pretty <laughs> random. 
I think that's fitting. That's probably a good yeah. one. Yeah. We'll okay. So we're crayon. we're going yellow crayon. I like it. <laughs> oh my goodness. The best. Well, mamas, thank you for tuning in this week. Miss Adrienne, yes, thank, thank you. you for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. This was so fun. Um, we will catch you guys next time on the next episode of the Successful Mama Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Successful Mama Podcast. For more information, head on over to SuccessfulMamaPodcast.com where you can find show notes and all the links mentioned in today's episode. Tap that share button and remember to tag at Successful Mama Podcast. And make sure to go leave a review. It really does help. A special thanks to Will Carruthers. Until next time, remember Mama, success looks more than one way and it's up to you to define it. 